0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Putin broke a month-long public silence over Ukraine with harsh criticism of the West, claiming NATO deceived Russia over its expansion into Eastern Europe, his blunt language targeted at a domestic audience. They said one thing and did another. They basically, as people say, screwed us over. Wow, nice uh, pipes there for the translator. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> They've screwed us over. Here. And now the Eagles. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of the pooter, oh, were you going to tell us what the sad beep is? I can coming up. Coming up, I'll okay. tell you what the sad beep is. Beautiful. Hey, Michael, play us 33. Jensaki has been setting new records for dishonesty and, and just... It's just, just crazy oh. stuff. But this was actually pretty clever talking about Putin. I like this. When the fox is screaming from the top of the hen house that he's scared of the chickens, which is essentially what they're doing, that fear isn't reported as a statement of fact. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, she's good at her job. I mean, she's utterly dishonest.
1: Oh, but... I've got an example of her being so dishonest about uh, some economic news. have to get to that later. I've forgotten yeah. to bring that up.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, I came across this, this, uh, opinion piece by, a uh, uh, gent who is with a think tank in Vienna. He's an expert on international politics and Russian, that sort of thing. His name is I- I- Ivan Krustev. Um, but I thought it was interesting, and he opens up with a uh, funny anecdote that uh, maybe isn't relevant, but it is kind of amusing. In the final weeks of World War One, a German general sent a telegram to his Austrian allies summarizing the situation. It was, he wrote, serious but not catastrophic. The reply came back from the Austrians, here the situation is catastrophic but not serious. Now, I don't know enough to truly appreciate the joke, but it's, it's kind of funny. Anyway, so he, he's writing about how... The joke captures in a nutshell the disagreement between the U.S. and Europe about the situation in Ukraine. For the U.S. and President Biden, uh, and he talks about deploying the troops to Eastern Europe and all, a Russian invasion led by uh, Vlad Putin is a distinct possibility. That's a quote. For Europe, not so much. A senior German diplomat summed up the divergence. The U.S. thinks Putin will do a full-blown war. Europeans think he's bluffing. Then he writes, perhaps that's to be expected. After all, full-scale war is generally as unimaginable for a Western European public as an alien invasion. The many decades of peace in Western Europe, combined with the continent's deep dependence on Russia's oil and gas, incline officials to assume aggressive Russian moves must be a ruse. But the European tendency to accommodate Russia doesn't explain why Ukrainian officials, after initial alarm, now seem to share the view. They mentioned Vlad Zelensky playing it down and saying, ah, they're not going to invade, don't worry about it. What lies behind it, he asks. The answer is surprising, even paradoxical. Europeans and Ukrainians are skeptical of a major Russian invasion in Ukraine, not because they have a more benign view of Mr. Putin than the Americans. On the contrary, it's because they see him as more malicious. War, they reason, is not the Kremlin's game. Instead, it's an extensive suite of tactics designed to destabilize the West. For Europe, the threat of war could turn out to be more destructive than war itself. In other words... Um, You know, and there is the whole he wants to take a break from the 90s, bury the Cold War order and and recapture the glory of the Soviet Union, blah, blah, blah. But the main thing he wants to do is drive divisions between Germany and America, between uh, Britain and whomever. He just wants he wants to uh, he wants to impose a crisis because during a crisis, sometimes it's easier to get people to do uh, stuff that normally they wouldn't. I heard an interesting conversation
1: among smart people about uh, how we have been talking about Putin for several years and whether or not that has been to our benefit or not. And um, it kind of reminded me of when Ronald Reagan back in the day called the Soviet Union an evil empire and, you know, tear down this wall. And some people thought, you know, that kind of talk is not helping, isn't it? You know, I think in retrospect, most people think that was a good idea. But uh, the other side of it with Putin Putin. Putin wants respect. I mean, he thinks it was a horribly sad thing that the Soviet Union went away. The Soviet Union lost half its population, or well, the Soviet Union half its population went away, and so you got Russia with half the population. Try to imagine it as America. I mean, I, I I think most of us take great pride in us being the most powerful economy, the most powerful military. You know, we're number one. We've been number one forever, and it's if we all of a sudden got. Diminished by half, and we're kind of a joke of a country. I would find that personally painful. <laughs> I, and and Putin feels that way about Russia. And so when whenever whenever Barack Obama said, "Really, they're uh, they're a third-rate economy with a big military," or um, you know, a variety of things that that various presidents have said in recent years that I thought were a good idea at the time. I wonder if maybe that is not productive. If 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 making Putin feel good about his country and himself would be more helpful.
0: That's an interesting question wow that's a that's a uh, a chewy topic
1: treating him more like an equal um whether it's true or not just just to satisfy his ego and, his, yeah. and where he feels
0: like they fit into the world order hmm, interesting so getting back to this guy's piece here's where the the rubber kind of meets the road or the tank tracks meet the Ukrainian mud oh While Americans tend to believe Mr. Putin needs a hot war in Ukraine to realize his grand ambitions, Europeans and presumably Ukrainians believe that a hybrid strategy involving military presence on the border, weaponization of energy flows, and cyber attacks will serve him better. And that's based on sound reasoning. A Russian incursion into Ukraine could, in a perverse way, save the current European order. NATO would have no choice but to respond assertively, bringing in stiff sanctions, acting in decisive unity. By hardening the conflict, Mr. Putin could cohere his opponents. I rarely use cohere as a verb. Holding back, by contrast, could have the opposite effect. The policy of maximum pressure, short of an invasion, may end up dividing and paralyzing NATO. Then he points out, uh, look at Germany. Before the crisis, Germany was America's closest ally in Europe, boasted a special relationship with Moscow, and was the most important partner for Eastern and Central Europe. Today, some in Washington have question the country's willingness to confront russia berlin's relationship with moscow is fast deteriorating many eastern europeans are agitated by germany's apparent reluctance to come to their support Uh, germany's difficulties are a hint of what could come if mr putin continues his brinksmanship without providing the certainty of an actual invasion he goes into some detail but that's the long and short of it
1: fascinating I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I have no idea. I'm looking up at a CBS News report. They're there in uh, Ukraine and uh, showing pictures of all the troops and everything like that. I don't know. Could start at any moment. Could never start. Who knows?
0: There is undeniably a clickbait element to the breathless coverage of Putin about to invade Ukraine. Now, whether that's 5% of the coverage or 80% or somewhere in between, I don't know. But it's there. So
1: you've been following the CNN Jeff Zucker story more closely than me, and I know you've been trying to keep it on a legal level, but on the tawdry level, does it seem that perhaps his wife and kids found out about this from the television yesterday after a many, many years-long affair? I, I don't know that. I have no idea. She divorced her husband in 2017, but it would sound like, from the reporting you had, that that's long after the
0: affair was going on. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's been going on uh, for a decade, according to some people, hmm. at least five years. I think Zucker's still married with four kids, number of
1: kids. Yeah, I don't actually know that. That's a ter- well, and it's not a, you know it's not something we should know really, but not a good story. Uh, you want to hear about the sad beep? Here's the sure. sad beep story. That was a good headline. Made me click on it in the Washington Post. Hmm. What the hell is the sad beep? That's the last beep that we'll, uh, in a couple of years, hear from the space station as it is going to retire here in 2030. And they're starting the winding it down process already. And where is it going to go to, the space station that is up there in the sky and has been for a long, long time? Tweakers will probably steal it and dismantle it for the metal. The space lab has been continuously occupied by astronauts for more than 20 years. And it's run by 15 different countries and all kinds of different stuff. And we've had lots of American astronauts up there and everything like that. Well, it's just aging, and they're going to replace it with something newer. And so it is going to finally go to the ocean in a place they call the Spacecraft Cemetery that I was unaware of, also known as the loneliest place on Earth. It's the farthest you can get from land anywhere on the planet. The closest land is 1,670 miles away. So picture halfway across the country. If you're on the coast to Denver, more or less, hmm. uh, you can't get further away from land than than what they call Point Nemo. I'd have thought somewhere in the middle of the Pacific you could get farther away from land than that. But and uh, there's all kinds of a spacecraft down there. That's where we uh, that's where we land it and put it, and just goes down to the bottom and sits down there.
0: There Can't are, we affix it with a gigantic, uh, uh, what do you call it, a parachute and, and, and like save it for the Smithsonian Museum or something? There are 250 to
1: 300 spacecraft that are buried in uh, Nemo's waters there at Point Nemo. Wow. And at some point, the space lab will land there, sink to the bottom, and then we won't hear the uh, a beep anymore. It'll be a sad beep, the last beep hmm. of the space station that has furthered man's exploration into space so much over the last several decades. Be brave, Jack. There will be other beeps. There will be new beeps. Better beeps. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the way to look at it. Deepier beeps. So a kid wore a face mask to school that was a thin blue line face mask to support police. His dad's a cop. Local area he's from, there have been cops killed in line of duty in recent days, weeks, and months. Teacher considered it the same as wearing a Confederate flag. Oh, my God made a big stink out of it. So we could talk about that. I think you know the way
0: those stories tend to go. Well, and perhaps of greater significance, there have been many, many high schools, uh, schools around the country where the kids have organized mask boycotts, mask outs, if you will. Uh, hundreds of them marching into school without masks, saying this is ridiculous. We're not wearing them anymore.
1: And of course you can have all kinds of Black Lives Matter paraphernalia at school, but not a thin blue line thing. We should talk sure. more about the growing and obvious problem that Black Lives Matter had at the very, has and had at the very top of people just, just spending money on themselves. All those corporations sending gazillions of dollars to Black Lives Matter during the riots all across America, protests all across America after the George Floyd horribleness. And where did that money go? Well, it went to a lot of houses and cars and trips and stuff, a lot of it. And they weren't keeping books, so it's really hard to tell where any of the money went because nobody was paying any attention. Shocking! Not. Giant for-profit money pit. But weren't companies feeling good about themselves as they sent off those checks? That and other stuff on the way.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This I read that
1: malls across the country have been filling empty retail spaces with surgery centers. Oh. That explains the story I saw the other day called uh, Apidectomy and Fitch.
0: And I know, I
1: so I Hilarious. So
0: I don't know that story. Do you know that story? I just saw the headline. Yeah, malls are... Uh, you know what a surgery center is? No. I had one of my hips done there. It's it's a facility that exists purely for surgery. You don't go there with the flu. Uh, you don't have an emergency room with a bunch of coffin people or anything like that. Surgeons and nurses and all, they set it up um, to do surgeries there. Like I say, I got one of my hips replaced. But it's in. not attached to a hospital always? Uh, no. No. Entirely independent. It's own building or or whatever. Or... Since mall space is uh, very rentable now, and you can have from a small little area to a big, big, big area in a lot of malls, that, uh, yeah, they're setting them up there. So you might get your uh, pig heart put in in an old Nordstrom's. For instance.
1: Hmm. It's possible. Uh, I've got scheduled to get a booster shot today. I'd made this appointment months ago. Completely forgotten about it until it showed up on my alert. I'm more concerned about catching something by having to go to the doctor's office and wait in the waiting room, then I am the benefit of getting the booster shot at this
0: point. I don't, I don't know. Do I get it? Do I need it? I feel like this is over. I know. I know. But it's not. I mean, Oregon, for instance, we've got to get into this it's, at some point. They're making a lot of their, uh, their uh, temporary emergency measures permanent. They'll let you know when they'll roll them back. Just unbelievable. Joe Biden never had a mullet. All right,
1: <laughs> I was fooled by a photograph. <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: I saw that it was a tweet right last night.
1: Yeah, well, I just yeah. I was listening to a podcast with some like really super smart people on there, and one of them mentioned, you know, Joe Biden had a mullet back in the '90s, so things can change. And another person said, "What?" He said, "That yeah, Google it." And so I googled it. I'll <laughs> be damned, Joe Biden did have a mullet back in the '90s, but it's a it's a weird picture where you you get his hair and some woman's hair behind him and it looks like he's got a mullet. but anyway and if he did who that's of no consequence yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, some people were very angry that I had put out fake information on the uh, Twitter machine yesterday. It was not on purpose. it was not a grand conspiracy to claim Joe Biden's
0: bemulleted. <laughs> or or has been in the past. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Uh, Breaking news on the Spotify front. So they'd already lost Neil Young, uh, Joni Mitchell, and somebody else, some other ancient singer. Now it's getting worse. Mary Trump has pulled her podcast from Spotify because Joe Rogan is still on there spewing his hate, filth, and disinformation. Also, Weezer is now pulling their music from Spotify. Oh, no. When will it end?
0: Maybe tomorrow.
1: (laughs) If enough artists pull their music from Spotify, they got a problem, don't they? Even with the fabulously popular Joe Rogan?
0: I suppose at some point, I mean, people might think I'm not subscribing to Spotify anymore. They don't have David Crosby and India Arie anymore. Where am I going to hear my Weezer? I guess only the eight other streaming
1: services that I have where I can hear my Weezer if I want to get my Weezer on.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it all seems so silly to me. Especially given. What's, what's that clip? We played it to open the show or, or early on. Give us, give us clip number 12. And I want you to kind of commit this to memory. Go ahead, uh, Michael
1: some major flip-flopping. People should not be walking around with masks. Masks work.
0: Fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask. If you are vaccinated, you should still wear a mask. You really better be very careful before you bring the children back. The default position should be to try as best as possible to keep the children in school. Right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. I would like to see a dramatic,
1: diminutive of the personal interaction that we see. So, so let me clarify that, because there was a
0: little bit of a misunderstanding. There, uh, old Dr. Fauci, the guy who was sponsoring the gain-of-function research. In, uh, in I United. represent science. Anyway, Jen Psaki came out and said it's a really positive step that Spotify has decided to add disclaimers about COVID misinformation, because we can't have that out there. The Surgeon General came out in favor of censoring COVID misinformation. Are you kidding? Wow. You guys have been the source of most of it, or a lot of it.
1: Something she said about the economy i got to pass along to you that I was shocked by. Uh, If you miss an hour, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Our team is still compiling the report, but we do know that as our troops approached to capture the terrorist, in a final act of desperate cowardness, he, with no regard to the lives of his own family or others in the building, he chose to blow himself up, not just to the vest, but to blow up that third floor rather than face justice for the crimes he has committed.
1: So he killed uh, the current ISIS leader overnight? Uh, and he did the same thing as Baghdadi did, blew himself up, killing a whole bunch
0: of women and children at the same time, because that's the sort of people these people are. I absolutely believe that could be what happened. On the other hand, I remind you of the drone strike in Kabul that killed a bunch of children, and virtually nothing we heard initially was true. True that? And, And the ISIS leaders know that. So this one might be 100% clean, and it might be precisely what the president just described. Yep. But I don't know. True. Um, We got to
1: talk about at some point, Oregon is debating allowing people to pump their own gas. (laughs) There are only two states in the country where people aren't allowed to do that. But it's interesting the reaction of people and how many people are afraid of the idea of pumping their own gas. And I think it speaks to the psychology of a lot of nanny laws and that sort
0: of stuff um it's yeah. it's interesting Oregon has lost its mind uh particularly during COVID moving to make various masking regulations in school permanent and we'll talk about that more later but I want to bring that up just real quickly because uh I just came across this uh, sent along by an alert listener a it's a it's a toolkit a PowerPoint presentation from a bunch of medical authorities Useful tools for you all to use to advocate for the unmasking of kids and the return to normal school. It's an it's Children, COVID, and the Urgency of Normal, an advocacy toolkit for parents, students, mentors, teachers, and administrators. And the link is either up or will be up in the next few minutes at Getty.com. Click on it, download it, use it. It's in hot links
1: um, on our website, armstrongandgetty.com. Forgot to mention this the other day. I don't beat up on press secretaries for White Houses as much as a lot of people on in media like to. It's, it's, they, they got an impossible job. They're sent out there to say things that are going to make at least half the country mad. And and transparently false all the time.
0: I mean, it's just right. They're an attorney. They're out there to litigate for their boss. A lot of what they say is horse. I don't
1: know why anybody would take that job. I mean, I'm old enough now. I've seen a number of people go into that position that prior to going into that position were well respected and liked by a lot of people because you got to be super glib and smart to do that job. But the moment you sign up for it, you're on one team, and your job out there is to spin, 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 and you just have to say all kinds of crap, and you end up, like I said, with half the country hating you and thinking you're a liar. <laughs> Although you get a book deal, you get to be on oh, cable yeah. TV the rest oh, of your yeah. life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You become wealthy from it, no doubt about it. But Jen Psaki said something the other day that was just so over the top. It is definitely worth mentioning. This is before the jobs numbers came out, so this was two weeks ago, I guess when the really bad job numbers came out and they knew they were going to be bad so she was out there spinning in the white house room before the numbers hit she said i would like to remind people that 9 million people called out sick because of omicron at the time this data was taken so if the numbers are low keep that in mind wait what no to which everyone who's thought about it for a second responded they don't count you as unemployed or if you take a, if you're sick Right. What are you talking about? That is maybe the worst thing, <laughs> the worst, dumbest spin I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> wow, that was just nonsense.
1: Yeah. And not, not really challenged there in the in the room, of course. Oh, that's true. Nine million people did call it sick, so you got to keep that in mind. What? Wow. That's just silly. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. So, uh, I didn't know this story until I came across it in the Washington Post today. We all know about the Supreme Court justice thing, and the uh, I'm kind of fascinated by this discussion of, uh, is it okay for him to say ahead of time, I'm going to put a black woman in there? And 75% of the country doesn't want him to do it that way, but I don't know. Uh, do we need to have the, the Supreme Court look like America, quote, look like America? What is diversity? Is it your background or your skin color? All that sort of stuff is pretty darn interesting. I heard a one of my favorite podcasts, but the, these are people that went to Harvard, really, really downplaying the critique that all these people went to the same university. Well, you went to Harvard, yeah. so I guess you think it's important that everybody went to Harvard. You don't think that's weird that all of our justices went to Harvard or Yale? I think all of them but one, or did all of them at this point? Um, but that just seems weird to me. How could it not be weird? You all went to the same university hanging around with the same very narrow group of elites.
0: Sure. Right. And and many, many professors in common who taught the law a certain way or interpreted the law in a certain way, way left, by the way. Uh, yeah, that that would absolutely have to have an effect.
1: Anyway, while Joe Biden talks about how important it is to have a black woman on the Supreme Court for the first time, because we've never done it, and I can I can see that argument. Mark Thiessen in the Washington Post points out, Biden blocked the first black woman from the Supreme Court because she was a conservative. She was very, very highly qualified. Her name is Janice Rogers Brown. And if you followed the Bush administration, you remember this name. And it has an amazing story. Well, in California, we know her name. She served seven years as an associate justice on the California Supreme Court. The first black woman to do so. Listen to this background if you want diversity. She was the daughter and granddaughter of sharecroppers, grew up in rural Alabama during the dark days of segregation when her family refused to enter restaurants or theaters with separate entrances for black customers. She rose from poverty and put herself through college and UCLA law school as a working single mom. She was a self-made African-American legal star, but she was an outspoken conservative, so Biden set out to destroy her, points out Mark Thiessen in The Washington Post. Um, when she finally went through various courts and everything like that, and she was up for an, uh, the following month after um, getting on the D.C. circuit court, the following month when Justice Sandra Day O'Connor announced her retirement, Brown was on Bush's short list to replace her, putting another woman in the woman's slot and this time a black woman, which if we are just hearing in the recent days from the president is so very important. I mean, it's That's- crucial. Right. To make sure that, you know, for the Supreme Court to have any validity whatsoever, how could you not put a black woman on her? She would have been the first black woman ever nominated to serve as an associate justice on the Supreme Court. But Biden appeared on CBS's Face the Nation to warn that if Bush nominated Brown, she would face a filibuster. I can assure you that that would be a very, very, very difficult fight. And she probably would be filibustered, Biden said on Face the Nation. Uh, there's never been a successful filibuster of a nominee for associate just, justice in the history of the republic. Biden wanted to make a black woman the first in history to have her nomination killed by a filibuster. But uh, the Bush crowd decided they, they felt like, oh, he's serious about this. We're not going to get our nominee through. They didn't nominate her. They nam- nominated Samuel Alito. Wow. And to add to that. So she was completely qualified. She just happened to be a conservative. And so, sorry, you don't get on as a black woman. Even with that story, with that great story, I mean, you can't get a better story than that right? for being on the Supreme Court and, and, and describing diversity. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, today, Biden calls the filibuster, which he threatened to use to stop a black woman from being on the court, the filibuster's a relic of the Jim Crow era.
0: Wow. Wow. So
1: it's doubly, like, super plutonium... Hypocrisy. Yeah. On a level that you can't even imagine, as Mark Thiessen writes. But he threatened to use that relic of the Jim Crow era as a tool to keep a black woman who actually lived under Jim Crow off the highest court in the land. The irony is that now he wants to get rid of the filibuster and claim credit for putting the first black woman on the court. Wow. That is freaking
0: unbelievable. Oh, my God. Nice work by Mark Thiessen. Yeah. 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 You connect those dots. It's head spinning. You know, and, and more and more people are realizing Joe Biden does not have a sincere bone in his body. He is an utter phony. He is completely without principle. I expect politicians
1: to be hypocrites. I get it. I realize that when your party's in power, you don't care about the debt or the debt ceiling. And then when sure. you're out of party, you act like it's going to ruin the country. I mean, I've been watching this dance for a lot of years now. But this particular story, oh my
0: God. Oh, my God, that is too much, man. Well, and if it's about fiscal policy, that's that's serious, obviously. I mean, and we will spend ourselves into oblivion and, and, and punish the children, grandchildren. So I'm not dismissing that. But to be using race and whipping up racial animus and calling everybody racist and that sort of thing, d- d- causing real division among the, the American people and then completely re- reversing field when it suits you. And, and uh, evoking the Jim Crow era lightly and all. that's just despicable to having later. stopped a
1: woman who survived the Jim Crow era
0: with the filibuster. right
1: <laughs> that's just that's just too much.
0: If only that story would be picked up and repeated. Anywhere where the masses of Americans would hear it.
1: If only the Republican Party had the sort of people that could go on talk shows and spin these stories. But they don't. They just don't. And I'm not exactly sure why. But they don't.
0: I don't know. That's really discouraging. Mm -hmm. So is it possible to have major State of the Union news? Since the State of the Union is a silly exercise. I stopped watching it years ago. It's of no significance. It is merely a pageant. It's something to watch. Nancy Pelosi has made a major decision about the State of the Union, and it has shaken Washington to its core. The story about
1: Oregonians being able to pump their own gas is pretty interesting on a number of levels, about human nature.
0: Yeah, let's make that the priority. Nancy Pelosi and the stupid State of the Union can wait. we got a lot of good stuff. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
1: show I can remember the first time I uh, found this out driving through Oregon for the first time in my life many, many years ago and uh, stopped to get gas and some guy got out to gas up my car and some guy came running at me waving his arms and I was scared to death. I didn't know what the- <laughs> I didn't know if I was about to be robbed. Or if the place was about to explode or what the hell it was. No, it was just it's against the law to pump your own gas in Oregon.
0: <laughs> and I was shocked to find that out. I know. I remember both of us just ranting and raving about that at length. It's so ridiculous.
1: So this story from Reason Magazine, it's about that, but it's about more than that. I think it's about human nature, and it's really pretty interesting. Uh, every year this kind of becomes a debate in Oregon, and I'm sure... Uh, um. If, you're, if you're, you're an Oregonian, you're, you're tired of hearing this, but it's kind of interesting for everybody else, I hope. Um, earlier this week, a bipartisan group of state lawmakers introduced legislation that would permit customers to operate pumps all by themselves, providing gas stations still maintained a number of full-service pumps manned by an employee. Okay. So they're not going all the way. They're not going all the way to, to Crazyville, where you just got unmanned pumps. Oregon and New Jersey, the only states in the United States, if you didn't know that, that require gas stations to have full-service pumps. It's a feature of the state that many Oregonians find both convenient and character-defining. There are quirks of your state that you kind of hang on to just because that's
0: what we are. It's what we do. Sure, and if they're reasonably harmless, who cares?
1: Their attachment to the status quo has successfully prevented all but the most marginal reforms to the Beaver State's full service mandate, a pair of bills in 2015 and 2017 legalized self-service pumps in counties of 40,000 or fewer people because drivers would occasionally end up stranded at rural gas stations that weren't open 24 hours. You couldn't justify being open all night long with an attendant there because you had one customer every other day, so they (laughs) weren't open. And then, you know, because we've gotten in the habit, I grew up, where I grew up in a little town in the middle of nowhere, there was no place to get gas at night. I think they closed at like 8 o'clock at night. But if you're in the habit, you just planned ahead. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. I don't remember anybody ever being stranded. You Just, well, oh, I better get gas. They close in 10 minutes. You know, that sort of thing. But if you're not used to that, like anywhere else in the United States, and then you're some small, unpopulated county in Oregon, and you find out, what, the gas stations are closed? They're all closed? What the hell? So they allowed a, a get around on that. Okay, fine. Um, but some Oregonians
0: say the status quo is safer and easier for themselves. Safer. Oh, you can hardly concentrate in Oregon with all the sounds of the explosions from California echoing across the border as people, you know, immolate themselves.
1: And fairer for gas station employees whose jobs could be at risk if pump deregulation
0: passes. That is such terrible reasoning. I know you have... Words on that? I'll let you go ahead.
1: Well, I'm reading from Reason.com, so I there imagine go. they're going to get to the re- some of the reason.
0: If it's not reasonable reasoning, they got to <laughs> change their names. When the
1: Oregonian, the big newspaper, asked its Facebook followers, would you pump your own gas if you could? The reaction from many common common commenters was swift and negative. No, I don't want to, nor do I want to see people lose their job, was common. This law is heartless in being pushed by greedy firms that want to fire people and make more cash off you. So a lot of it was the economic angle, mm-hmm. and I appreciate having someone who is employed and knows what they're doing do it for me. Well, if you've, <laughs> never, if you've never done it in your life, I could see how you'd think maybe it was
0: complicated. Well, yeah, when my kids got their driver's licenses, I taught them how to do it. It took about a minute. Ah, uh, minutes.
1: For instance, I'm trying to use my new fabulous Epson printer the other night. I say that because somebody sent it to me for free. It is the best printer I've ever had, but I'd never used the scan function or anything like that. I'm sure most of you listening can do that in two seconds because you know how to do it and have done but I didn't know how. I had to get out an instruction book and get a YouTube video. I I couldn't I didn't never done it before. If you've never pumped gas before, you'd lift this and press it. so I get that. Ah, minute. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of picturing like you're sixty-eight and a mom and just like I don't want to learn how to do this too freaking bad. Well, I, I'm not advocating <laughs> keeping the policy. I can just see how you might react to, the, oh, great, a new thing.
0: Yeah, the, but th- that whole,
1: that's the thing with nanny states They infantilize their citizens. That's what I'm wanting to get to on this whole discussion. Okay. The perennial debate over self-service gas pumps in Oregon is a useful illustration of just how powerful people's preference for a restrictive, ridiculous status quo over an obnoxious bit of additional freedom can be. That is to say, every jurisdiction in the United States imposes some unnecessary, irrational, or onerous restriction on freedom that its neighbors manage to do without. Whether it's a ban on unlicensed barbers, or, or a requirement that restaurant patrons show proof of vaccination to eat inside, or thinking back to various places I live, you can't buy you know wine and booze at the grocery store, only at a liquor store, or bars aren't open on Sundays, or whatever it is. Oregon reformers' uphill battle to legalize self-service pumps gives people everywhere a chance to reflect on what petty or senseless regulations they, too, might be clinging to. Should that bill pass, the nanny stater inside each of us would have one opportunity for introspection. Yeah, so all those things I just mentioned and a whole bunch more, I probably if you think about them that you could live without, and you could get reactions from people, I don't know, unlicensed barbers, we've been doing fine with licensed barbers. It just sounds like it's going to be the Wild West around here if we're not licensing barbers. Or if we start selling beer on Sundays, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen, nothing.
0: Boy, and the jobs argument is so noxious because it's straight out of Marxism. It's straight out of the socialist playbook. I mean, I could bore you to death. I could give you 500 examples. It's ironic that self-serve checkout at grocery stores is becoming more and more common. I mean, that's obviously an example of uh, how dare you eliminate the gas jockey position. I just uh, bought a golf club the other day. I grabbed it right off the rack myself. There should be somebody who hands that to me. hands me the golf club well and because you can't eliminate that job i mean think of think of everything you do commercially during the day that you do it yourself you walk it yourself you carry it yourself whatever you carry it out to your car yourself you could so easily make the argument oh there should be a person doing that because they deserve a job right god that's so obnoxious and And, and i just think the human nature tendency of
1: it's been this way better not that's that seems to be human nature if we start allowing whiskey to be sold at the, at the grocery store, which you can't in tons of states, um, who knows what will happen? Well, nothing, because I've lived in plenty of states where you can buy whiskey at the grocery store. I'll tell you what will freaking happen. I'll go next door to the liquor
0: store and buy it. What have have you done? You've made me take (laughs) out my credit card twice. Way to preserve the public morals. Meanwhile, Oregon, which is a state I I have a love-hate relationship with, much like California, has made the masking at school rules permanent No, in the face of all scientific evidence that it's unnecessary. Two left for the Atlantic magazine. Yeah, no kidding.
1: Ridiculous. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com.